Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast, man. We are saving people money left and right over at SaveWithConrad.com, but don't take my word for it. Check out ConradReviews.com. Here's what you'll find over there. A five-star review from Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. He says, once again, Conrad and his team hit a home run. Jimmy, as always, kept in constant communication during the whole process, gave us options, and made the process smooth and easy. Who knew listening to a wrestling podcast would help me out financially? And here's another five-star review from Ian F. in Pottstown, PA. Always fast to respond to any questions I had, and boy, did I have a lot. Thankfully, they cut two years off all mortgage and saved $80,000 over the life of the loan. $80,000? Are you kidding me? He's a wrestling fan who listens to this podcast just like you and his family and his family gets to keep an extra $80,000. Now, without calling SaveWithConrad.com, they would have worked for that money, paid taxes on it, and then just given it away. Don't do that. Keep more of your own money. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. And I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much rates are at near historic lows. And there's never been a better time to refinance than right now. Your house is worth more than ever. You have more equity than ever before. And what does that represent to you? The biggest opportunity to change your life financially once and for all. You can get the best rate you've ever had on a mortgage. You can get rid of all your credit card debt, saving five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And here's the deal guys. Once you owe this money, it's up to you how you pay it back. Doesn't it make sense to pay it back at the cheapest rate possible and the greatest tax deduction possible? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity and you need to take advantage of it. You can even pull some cash out to do some remodeling around the house. What if some of that equity you've got, you used to put a pool in the back or maybe add a new office or even better, a man cave. Come on, get you some of that. It sounds too good to be true, but we can do it for you too right now. And again, you don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Punch it in. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Check it out. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. So a lot of us have been through this. You know, finding that person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great. But you hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure from actually shopping for a ring, hassle, haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out the four C's discounts, sales, coupons, styles, and all the other nonsense. But at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys really hate Steven Singer. 
He takes away every excuse in the book about not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler that has been making it so easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no coupon codes. There's no discounts, just the best price possible, guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check Steven out at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly. And by the way, they're open now. You don't need an appointment. Just stop by or online at I hate always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Or if you're in the area, go check him out anytime at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly. As for me here in Alabama, I'm going to check out. I hate Steven singer.com and you should too. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Welcome to wrestle with. Bruce Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. She booted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. Scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Ah, Hello and welcome to Something to Wrestle, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, how you doing this week, man? Who in the blue hell are you? <laughs> I'm sure that's a question that's on a lot of people's minds. I'm Paul Bromwell. I'm filling in for Conrad. He turned 40 this past week, man. Paul Brom, that's your name? Paul Bromwell. That's B-R. Okay, answer the first question. Who in the hell are you? I, I help Conrad out on ad-free shows. He's been tagging me in, and I've been helping him out for the last year or so, and he uh, he needed to tag me in for today's show. I hope that's okay, Bruce. Is, will that work this week or what? Actually, uh, probably not. Okay. Well, this I, has been I, something I, to wrestle. Can we keep going or no? Are you sure? Uh, no, I'm really not. But, um, you know, why, and why is, why is, um, the regular guy that does this, the, the mortgage guy, well, he turned 40 years old this past week. And, uh, I think, I believe he's celebrating with a couple buddies. They're all out and, uh, having a good time. And he said, listen, I know that we need an, uh, more Bruce Pritchard. We, do, we don't get enough of them. The audience needs their weekly fix. And, uh, so I'd like to tag you in Paul. So here, here I am. So in the 30 minutes of spare time that I actually have available, um, I'm doing this with you. Okay. Right. Interesting. 
I mean, have you ever worked with anybody else in the business? You ever done this before, kid? What's what's your history? I mean, you know that you, you have to understand. You're, you're you're speaking to an entirely brand new audience right now that has no idea what it is they're listening. They're saying, "Thank God I hear the melodic voice of Bruce Pritchard right now," because now I know. Well, at least I know he's here. Not sure about what the hell the other guy is. So, so at least our audience, my audience, it's not our audience, by the way. Right. It's it's my audience. At least let them know who the hell. And why? Okay, we have, we've established that Conrad obviously has something better to do that he's unable to do this um, because he's forty years old now. He finally reached puberty and manhood. <laughs> but aside from that, explain to people what. what sure. Uh, you know, I've been I've been a friend of Conrad's for the last few years. I've dabbled in. So that means you can just jump on a microphone, call me. Yeah. Why he gave you my number? Uh, that's. Problem number one, we'll address that. But but then why you have a microphone and are allowed to do this? You know what? I, I, I don't know. I'm not worthy, Bruce. That's the bottom line. I'm not worthy to be here. This is the two-time sports podcast of the year. And all I know is that the big guy called me up and said, I want you to work with Bruce so that the people can get what they want. And that's Bruce Pritchard stories. So, Well, folks, I apologize in advance. I have no idea who the hell this guy is, but uh, he's got a bunch of notes and I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. So uh, at least that part will be the same. And uh, we'll just see what what the hell goes on. And, and I hope that you'll, oh God, I hope you don't leave forever. But um, okay. Okay, Palmrell. Um, can we just call you Joe? You can call me whatever you want, Bruce. Joe works. Hi, Joe. All right. Okay. It's a fact. Refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you money. And you don't have to be a financial expert to do it. Right now, you can get a credit card consolidation loan from my friends at Lightstream for the rate as low as 5.93% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. That means you could save thousands of dollars in interest. The rate is fixed, so it'll never go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with no fees. Plus, you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. And right now, just for my listeners, you can get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR, and it includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com forward slash wrestle. All right, then, then let's, okay, Joe, it, it's, it's all yours. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Here Dave go. Meltzer's name is mentioned one time. Oh, there will shit. be hell to pay. All right, well, here we go. We have Joe and, uh, and Bruce. I'm honored to be here. This is good stuff already. I can, uh, this is going to be fun. So listen, let's start the show. And of course, we're going back in time as promised last week on something to wrestle to King of the Ring 2001. And uh, this was the 20 year anniversary of one of the most talked about pay-per-views in WWF history. And uh, I'm going to set the stage for you, Bruce. Is that okay? Sure. 
you guys purchased WCW at this point and are in the process of trying to get the company up and running. You've lost The Rock to the movies. You've lost Steve Austin as far as he's not the babyface anymore. He's now a heel. And so you're light on babyfaces. And uh, let's talk about Judgment Day building up to this. It features Steve Austin defeating The Undertaker to retain the WWF world title. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit win a tag team turmoil match to become the number one contenders for the WWF world tag team titles. And Kane wins the Intercontinental title from Triple H. And uh, China would retain the, the, the women's title over Lita. So there's a lot going on. And that's where we're going to start, Bruce. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about China here. It is China's last match ever in the WWF. What happened coming out of that pay-per-view that just blew up the relationship with China? Well, okay. First of all, let's, let's go back. I mean, I didn't personally purchase WCW. The corporation, WWE, actually purchased uh, WCW. And uh, the the Rock uh, has never been lost. I mean, if, if he was, then he's obviously been found. But... Um, you know, it, it's it's an interesting time in the business because it, it's some uncharted waters in that we, at this period, have no competition. That well, not that we had competition with WCW at that time. Hmm. Uh, they had they had long fallen off, kind of the the competition route. But uh, even even so, there was there was really nothing else out there uh, at that time, and we had retained what we chose to retain of talent from WCW that didn't want to sit out, didn't want to take their contracts. And, and for those that did good for them, um, I, I probably would have done the same thing in the same situation with the amount of money that they were guaranteed to sit at home. There were a few like Booker T, uh, DDP that actually you know wanted to work and they wanted to continue honing their craft and doing what they what they did. So it, it's an interesting time, and I think there were a lot of eyeballs on us from that aspect of okay, what you going to do now? And while the armchair quarterbacks that would sit back and go, oh man, you totally screwed up because you didn't have Hoagie, you didn't have Hall and Nash and Sting and Goldberg and all that. Those guys were being paid to stay home. Those guys were being paid lucrative contracts that were guaranteed by AOL, Time Warner, and they had no desire to come over. They weren't part of the deal. That's not what we purchased. We we purchased the assets of, of WCW, and that included their tape library, some rings, and um, a few other things, but but not a whole lot because um, there wasn't a whole there wasn't a whole lot to purchase, and uh, that's that's where we were. And and at this time, you know, China's last match. I just think that it was a decision by China at that point where she felt that uh, she didn't want to be in the in the same place where her ex was. And she had the choice. She was made an offer to, to remain with the company. And she made a choice. She made a choice to go somewhere else and do something on her own. And her decision to, to do that, that was her own. But, I, you know, I don't know other than not wanting to work in the company where her ex was at the time. I think that probably influenced her decision, but only she knows that and she's not with us anymore, but um, that's where we were on, on the China bit. Yeah. For those of you that maybe didn't get to see it recently, Vice did a, uh, a documentary on China. I highly recommend going out of your way to check that out. 
Uh, so, Bruce, uh, coming out of that, we're headed into the Raw circuit. We're going into a historical Raw's war. What's the state of the company at this point in terms of creative? I don't know. You mean Raw the show? Yeah, oh. Raw's war, right. The television show. <laughs> What's the state of the company? I thought you were going to war with somebody. I'm so confused. Maybe Conrad. So Conrad after knows done. Dr. Reed on notes sometimes. You're like, <laughs> no. Anyway, feel free to put them in your own words. It's okay. Um, you know, it's it's at a time that the business in, in itself is in flux, and, and frankly, uh, even creative in WWE is in flux. Uh, Paul Heyman was in the process of uh, coming on to the creative team. Stephanie McMahon headed up the creative team at that time. I had just moved over or back over to creative on a full-time basis, I think, kind of right in this era as well. But uh, I was still doing a little bit of talent relations but just moved back over to creative, uh, devoting a lot more of my time. I was spending a lot more time over in the writer's room in the studio at that time. So it was, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. And it was the first time that I'd ever really interact with that large of a group on creative with, uh, all the different things going on. Yeah. And for whatever reason at this point, uh, Bruce, Chris Benoit at this raw here and Chris Jericho, they take on triple H and stone cold. You would think, man, big time match at this point. But in terms of ratings where we're at, it's a it's a 4.2 rating. And, and in this moment in history, it tied for the lowest rating since 1999. Uh, the last time that would have happened then, it was a 4.2. Uh, is this a reality check, I guess, at this point for the creative team, for Vince, for, for the team in general? No, I think it's more of a reality check from the standpoint of when you look at those ratings, Connor and I talked about this last week, when you look at those ratings, from the past and look at some of the astronomical numbers there there is a theory i don't know how true it is i think that when you want to brag go oh my god we had 10 million people you know that were watching us at one time uh but when you you start to dig a little bit deeper you realize hmm is this actually 10 million or is this maybe five duplicated somewhere not sneezing at five um but they're they're that begged a question that was more of the reality check of there weren't six million fans that just went away or five million fans or four million fans or whatever the hell anybody wants to claim and it was it just was that dichotomy of trying to figure it out and i think that we were all still trying to figure it out yeah i mean and think about it ratings have complete continued to evolve even now uh the big changes and streaming and everything that happens in today's world so a lot of different ways to measure it so let's get back here it's been long rumored that the push you mentioned paul Heyman getting involved in creative around this time that there was a push for benoit and jericho and that that came from paul what say you on this topic well i think paul you know definitely voiced his opinion and paul was a big fan of benoit and jericho both i think that uh you know there was a new voice and somebody to you know listen and say, okay, what, what's happening over here? Uh, one way or another, you know, the, the the end result was still going to be, you know, creative as it was from 1987 to what it was now in 2001. Still, you know, went through events and was still pitched events and yay or nay on it. But uh, to, was Paul a fan of them? Yes, he was. Yeah, he had worked with them both uh, in ECW uh, for a little time there too. So he was definitely familiar with both those guys as well there. Yeah, hundreds of people saw that. It's a fact that a child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's and leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. 
Sadly, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. Unintentionally leaving a child in a car is a tragedy, and it can happen to anyone. Please set yourself reminders on your cell phone or place something you'll need in the back seat to help you remember that your child is still in the car. If your partner or caregiver is taking your child to daycare, check with them or the child care staff to make sure that the child was dropped off. And when you've arrived at your destination, always check to make sure the car is empty. Heat stroke deaths are preventable when adults take the proper precautions. Be safe and always look for your baby before you lock. Paid for by NHTSA. So this role not only featured Benoit and Jericho taking on Triple H and Steve Austin, but also Big Show beating Rhino for the hardcore title and the epic scene of Shane McMahon talking shit as WCW owner uh, there, Kurt Angle, had his medal ceremony and Angle slams him off the stand to a huge pop. couple things here. Uh, Rhino was gaining big time momentum, it felt like, and the show beating him just stopped. Do, do you agree here that it just seemed to stop it for him? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I agree that there was big time momentum for Rhino at that point. I think that, you know, Rhino was one of those guys, great, unbelievable talent. Um, but I think that, you know, he had as much momentum as he had. Losing doesn't stop your momentum, folks. It, it's what you do after you lose is what stops momentum. And the audience can stop your momentum. Losing doesn't do that. And this was an opportunity to do something big in a big way with a big show. And that's the, the reason we went that way. So how is a uh, question here, WCW ever going to get over when it's leader here? It's Shane O'Mac. He's talking shit to Kurt angle gets his ass beat starts tapping out to the ankle lock making kurt the baby face and and shane the heel isn't that ass backwards compared um, to who who says you think that's ass backwards I'm just asking because I know a lot well, of you said it. Shane's obviously in control here. You want to push WCW. They're ready to come on board. You have the buzz around that and then all of a sudden kick the shit out of them on live TV. So you want him to kick the shit out of the Olympic gold medalist who is the the top guy representing the other side? Not necessarily kick the shit, but not. But no, 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 hang on. Then you'd be saying the same thing. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Shane, the new up and coming and is taking the guy that is up front and center and the the stalwart in the company. Look, uh, again, it's, (laughs) you know, you have heels and you have baby faces. You have protagonists and you have antagonists. And in this particular situation in this storyline, Shane was the antagonist. What do antagonists do? What do people want to see? They want to see the antagonist get their ass kicked. That's what we did. All right. Well, let's hear from one of your favorite writers of all time. We're going to the Observer for their thoughts. I thought you said you're going to hear from one of my favorite writers. And you're you're, you're now going to say, now we're going to hear from the rumor mongering bullshit artist uh, from the dirt rag that makes shit up. Okay, now you may proceed. Okay, so we're going to hear from that guy. And he would say Benoit and Jericho won the tag titles from Austin and Triple H in 13 minutes, 55 seconds. Great match by any standard of a great match. Great moves, great build during the match, and even before the match as they tried to sell it as the biggest match of Benoit and Jericho's career. This match was a real slap in the face to anyone who thinks winning and losing doesn't matter or shouldn't matter to the fans. The reason this got over was not 
not because of any silly gimmick, but because they sold the idea that the most important thing was the win and the quest for the win was real. Finally, Jericho made the hot tag. He blocked the Thez press and got the walls on. Triple H in for the save and the run in his thigh muscle tour. Still, he limped outside the ring to do the blocked pedigree into the wall spot on the American table. Benoit did a diving headbutt on Austin. Austin came back with a stunner on Benoit, but Jericho pulled the ref out of the ring at the last second. Jericho got in and went for the lion salt, but Austin got his knees up. Jericho blocked the stunner and hit the lion salt on Austin. Triple H got the sledgehammer and went to break up the pin, but Jericho moved and Triple H hit Austin and Jericho scored the pin. Show ended with Benoit and Jericho celebrating. It's such a match with such a horrible ending here for Triple H. You were there that night, Bruce. What was it like when you see Triple H go down and the severity of that injury? Well, it was absolutely terrible because, again, you're watching it and I don't think that anybody in the moment had any idea how bad Triple H really was. And it's it's not just, oh, he tore his thigh. No, folks. It ripped from the bone and curled up. He should not have been able to even walk. Really couldn't walk, but did. And, you know, a testament to pulling through and uh, finishing the match. I don't know that, you know, many people, A, would have been able to do that. That was one of those, like, holy shit moments. Once you realized, even more so after the fact, he couldn't put any weight on his leg at all mm. and still went in, mm. still went in, finished the match, did his spots, limping badly and not really being able to do much of anything at all. So it was, yeah, it was an incredible match and it was a, a turning point in so many different ways because it was a point that we had lost Triple H in there and realizing, oh, wow, everything that we had planned for the summer going forward that included Triple H on that side now goes away. And now you go to plan really B or C because we were already on plan B and it's like, okay, um, this is going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, like you said, not only the injury, the impact, the severity of that, but as you mentioned, all the creative plans, everything that you had, he's a big time, you know, member of the, of, of the squad here, if you will. And he goes down massive injury and the show must go on. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, rocks and movies and Austin's a heel. So it's kind of like, where do we go from here? So, uh, again, big time impact all the way around for not only him, but also uh, for the WWE and creative direction. So we move on the next night. It's SmackDown. It's a TLC match uh, for the World Tag Team titles. You have Benoit and Jericho, uh, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian and the Hardys taking place. No build to it at all. And all these guys go out and kill each other. Uh, Benoit and Jericho retain. But man, matches like this, they take years off of careers. So why do it with no hyper build here, Bruce? Well, Fred, um, you watch TV? I do. I do. Here, you do. Here. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> do you know everything that's going to happen on, on the television show that, that you're going to watch? Or do you just like to – do you like to know every single thing that's going to happen on the television show before you watch it? No, no, I don't, I don't like spoilers. I want to be able to watch it and enjoy it. So you like want to sit down. You want to be surprised. Yeah, you yeah. want to watch that. Oh, fuck, I didn't expect that. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Blow my mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. So 
the, the deal is, Sam, is you you take <laughs> the greatest tag teams. You have an impromptu match that is incredible, and you you do something that you know again isn't hopefully is a cookie cutter um, in a perfect world. Sometimes would you like to have promoted that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that what you're saying is not everything needs a story. Is that what you're trying to say? Just, just I'm saying hey, there was a story to it. Was oh, there not? Okay. Well, was there not a story about the tag team championships? I mean, well, you, don't think was, you know, they asked a bunch of story. I didn't mean shit. I mean, they told a story in the ring, but in terms of a build story, I don't know that that was there this night. Okay, Raul, and this is coming from your how many years of experience of writing and producing television? Uh, Zilch, this is just 35 years of fandom. That's all I got behind me. So Okay, so you hated it. I'm not saying I hated it. I'm just questioning the the, the thought behind it. Like, was there a lot of it or it just... just Yeah, the thought was to deliver a really great match. All right. Okay. Well, they did. They tore the house down. They tore their bodies down in literal fashion, as they always did. Great matches from those guys. Uh, Then we would also have Tajiri debuting on TV here as well. He was William Regal's assistant. How good was Tajiri in this role, Bruce? Boy, uh, Tajiri was absolutely fabulous. And he was the kind of guy... It was funny that uh, Tajiri would not let on to everybody that Tajiri spoke English. So, and it is hilarious. Even Paul Heyman was like, Tajiri does not speak English. It's very little English. <laughs> and I'm looking at him going, um, man, Tajiri was my translator mm. in Mexico. So he was speaking Spanish and then translating back in English to me. Great English. So it was, you know, that kind of, you know, the kind of funny thing that, that you get sometimes <laughs> and when people don't realize, well, I'm, I'm never, never going to work there. Um, and it just kind of goes, you know, goes goes from there. But, yeah, Tajiri was absolutely great because he could convey his emotions with without having to say a word. And, and he could do it with his facials and, and everything else. So. So you listen to this show because you love nostalgia. You like to think about all the fun stuff that happened on TV when you were a kid. And if you're like me, you probably plop down in front of the TV with a big bowl of cereal. And then one day you realize, and I shouldn't be eating this. This is full of junk and sugar that I shouldn't have. Not anymore. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for creating a delicious cereal with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And you can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. By the way, they taste great, but they're still good for you. How's it possible? It's Magic Spoon! Go to magicspoon.com forward slash wrestle to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com wrestle and use the code WRESTLE to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode and breakfast.
What's your next question, Oliver? We're moving on. We're talking about Raw. It's the next week. It's in Calgary. And somehow the Hart family and the WWF get themselves into a mess. Imagine that. Stu Hart and some of the Hart family make their first appearance at a WWF show since the death of Owen. And the Raw main event that night is Chris Benoit versus Steve Austin. Vince screws Benoit, but this time Jericho helps even the odds and puts Austin in the walls while Benoit puts Vince in the crossface to end the show. Bruce, what did you think of all this drama and was it all necessary? Sure was necessary, Lucas. I mean, you you have all these talents, you're telling stories and it's emotional and it's it's unpredictable. So yeah, you want to get out there and and have fun with it. Why wasn't it necessary? Well, I'm just saying with everything that had gone on there in the past and just the screw job deal and, and Oh God. Okay. Moving on, after the show, Brian Lawler is fired after being stopped at the border for possession. How about a shape was Brian in at this point? Um, you know, it was just really, it was really kind of sad, man. And it was, I, I think that there was a lot of denial going on at the time. And, you know, Brian was, was still trying to convince everyone that, no, man, it was a mistake. It was, it was a mistake that they found all those drugs in my bag in three different places or whatever it was. Mm. But it was unfortunate. And, and I think it was, in a lot of ways, a cry for help at that time. Lance Storm would make his debut as the first WCW wrestler on WWF TV, and he would super kick Saturn to a big pop. Why Lance here? Why not Lance there? Well, again, I mean, yeah, he is one of the yeah, few that came over, right, to help. So. Exactly, and and he was he was from Canada, so nice place to debut him where you know that they're going to be happy to see him. At least somewhere they would be happy to see him. If anywhere, it would be in Calgary. Right. Am I right, Henry? Yeah. Talk so Henry's following. Were you a Lance Storm fan in general? Since we're here talking about him, just your thoughts on on Lance Storm. Overall, as a performer, you know, I think that Lance was a hell of a performer. I think that Lance was one of those guys that could go in and have a great match with anybody. Did he have a lot of personality? I don't think so. However, I think that you know he was one of those talent that if you wanted to make someone look great, you put him in the ring with Lance, and Lance could make that happen because of his ability in the ring. Did he always connect with the audience? In my opinion, no. Um, However, in a tag team with Chris Jericho, and is a guy that you can put in the ring and actually make somebody larger than life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Lance could do that. You know, right now, I don't know that Conrad's going to be too happy with you, Logan, but, um, go ahead. Uh, Jericho would defeat big show for the hardcore title, then get gored by Rhino and pinned. Why use Jericho as a transition guy when he's about the main event at pay-per-view against Austin and Chris Benoit? The transition guy is what? He defeats the big show here. And then all of a sudden you have him getting taken out by Rhino. Just not really sure why we do that creatively if he's going into the biggest match here in the main event at this pay-per-view we're about to talk about. Well, the idea was unpredictability and the anything can happen aspect. And with that, you're telling people, hey, anything can happen. Holy shit, I didn't call that. But I guess 
if you and Dave Meltzer were booking, everything would be logical and perfect, makes sense, and you would sell out every single fucking night and and do 18 billion people on on pay per view, even though the audience, the universe was only three, or something like that. Some of the best. That's the confidence that listen, 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 Sebastian. That is the confidence I have in you. Thank you, Bruce. That means so much to me uh, uh-huh. and whoever I am right now. Sure. Sebastian. Okay. So we have the Sarah Undertaker stalker. So uh, that angle begins. Who came up with this and thought it was a great idea? Well, I did. Okay. I did. I thought it was a, a, a completely great idea. In hindsight, it was fucking horrible. Not one of, you know, not one of the stellar moments, but looking at different ways and looking at different things. Uh, I'm a big true crime mm. uh, aficionado. And, you know, I like to, 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 to read about different things and creepy shit like that. And stalkers are creepy. And when you read about some of the things that stalkers would do, and how they would stalk their prey in becoming there's a great great book I, I recommend everyone get it's called The Last Victim and it was written by a guy who wanted to be an FBI profiler and he would write letters to convicted serial killers in the character what he thought that they would respond to of the, of the type of people that they would be attracted to like John Wayne Gacy mm. the people that, that were attracted to Gacy Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez. And you know, I, I just study that kind of stuff and I really, I enjoy that. And the, the stalker gimmick was a creepy thing where we had seen Taker's wife. And, and if you were really going to get to someone and this someone is, is in your home, they're there. They have evidence of being in your home. That's a sick, creepy feeling that they were right there and you didn't know it. And that was the idea behind it. I don't know that we did the best job of portraying that. Obviously not. I think in hindsight, going back, um, didn't work by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if it was the talent involved or the story or the idea in general. Um, but that one was a flop. That was all mine. Yeah. But you know, like you said, it's popular. Think of true crime as far as how that goes, the story it's creative and you don't know unless you try Bruce. So I get you there. Well, thank you, Aiden. And you're trying right now. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm swinging for the fences, man. The next night in Edmonton for SmackDown, it's Benoit and Austin headlining again. They go 23 minutes, 45 seconds in what Meltzer calls a four and a half star match. Was this what you envisioned for Chris Benoit when you said, Find him. You know, I, I don't know. I think that Chris Benoit, um, I don't do star ratings, you know, 18,000 and one half stars in the Tokyo Dome. Who the? Benoit was a great worker, and Benoit was someone that w- would always deliver when he was in the ring and would tell a story. He, he used the mat, much like, like Bret Hart. He used the mat as his canvas to paint a picture and tell us a story. So, yeah, man, I expected that every time that Benoit got in the ring. Yeah, and what better place to have him go against Austin here than? Edmonton. One, Dave Meltzer really got excited about it, and so I know that excites you. Know, you. He sure gets excited about all kinds of things with his favorite guys in the ring. Jericho, we're on to him. He needs help to pin Kurt Angle after Shane O'Mac interferes. Why do you think Jericho isn't booked in a similar fashion as Benoit in the run-up? Because they're different people with different styles. One has a personality, the other one doesn't. 
Fair enough. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, there's talk with various WCW wrestlers happening at this time. You mentioned it at the top of the show, uh, the whole invasion, the buyout, all that stuff's going on. You guys actually have covered it. It's in the archives, you and Conrad. But to your knowledge, what were the contract negotiations like with people like Goldberg, Scott Steiner, or Rey Mysterio? Goldberg and Steiner, there really weren't any because they had time left on their Time Warner deals that, that they wanted to play out. Ray was the same way, but I think that Ray's was probably one of the closest ones that was going to be coming up. And uh, so we were we were actively talking to Ray, and Jr. was was definitely you know had had his thumb on exactly where everybody's contracts when they were coming up and when to start hitting them up. Trying to hit some guy up that's got a year and a half left on a, a payout of many 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 dollars that we weren't about to match nonsensical. When you call, you say, hello, how you doing? Hey, when your contract comes up, you want to come back and work, give us a call. No, it makes sense. Otherwise, other than staying relevant, but what's the point when you're getting paid that big of dollars? And they all had opportunities after the fact. So it worked out for everyone. All right, boys and girls, it's summer camping season. So you know what we're talking about. Pitching tents. Come on, you know, Blue Chief was sponsoring this episode. And you know that confidence can take you far in life can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's when Blue Chew comes in. You see, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Gotta close that deal, daddy. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, receive your prescription within days the best part it's all done online so no more doctor's visits to the office no more awkward conversation no more standing in line at the pharmacy and maybe best of all blue chew is made right here in the usa prepared and shipped directly to your door all in a discreet package and by the way when that package arrives people get excited to see the postman you know back in the day we used to be excited to get mail now it's time to deliver the goods because once you open that discreet package your package is going to be ready, daddy. They always say that, uh, first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? This is going to be a long lasting impression. I've heard over the years, women say that, uh, confidence is sexy. Well, blue chew can help you get that confidence where it counts. If you could benefit from a little extra confidence when it's time to perform blue chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew for free. Huh? I said free when you use our promo code wrestle at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is wrestle and you'll receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring this episode and your hard ding dong. Seriously. Try it. Bluechew.com promo code wrestle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
let's talk about the build here to Angle versus Shane. That's obviously the huge match we're going to talk about when we get into the card. Angle qualifies for the King of the Ring tournament, and uh, Angle worked three matches at that pay-per-view that we're uh, going to touch on here. You guys had the strongest talent roster right around this time, many would say. Why Angle working three matches at this pay-per-view? Why not? Uh, Kurt was a stud, and it was a story. And, and it was a story talking about the different hoops that Kurt had to go through. So that was a big part of the story. And it was how many times, you know, what what obstacle are you going to throw in front of Kurt Angle before you can finally drop him? Let's talk about someone who was not at King of the Ring. And this would be the only King of the Ring. This person was not out in some form or fashion. It's Jerry Lawler. And around this time, he's meeting with Kevin Dunn and JR about a possible return. What do you remember about the talk of bringing Jerry back? Well, you know, look, uh, Jerry quit. <laughs> so Jerry quit and claimed that he had a $300,000 uh, contract with WCW waiting for him on his desk at home. And he quit and he walked out. Um Jerry said a lot of things about a lot of people while Jerry was not working at the company, me included. And that happens every day. I, I don't I don't take that stuff personal at all. Um I don't read that. I don't, I don't read it. I don't buy into it. It's okay, great. Just say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. It's. We live in America. Now, Levi, I hope you live in America. I don't know because we're, we're over this Skypey thing. So you could be coming from Afghanistan. I don't know. And if you are, hey, great. Um, but again, that was that was his freedom to do so. I wasn't involved in those negotiations. I know that Jerry thought that I was um, trying to prevent him coming back. 100% not true in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I had my own shit going on at the time, and I really didn't care what Jerry Lawler was doing at that point in my life and or his. And I thought Jerry was excellent at what he did. Great play-by-play. Um, one of the best in the business and I always I always got along with Jerry and I always liked Jerry but I wasn't involved and didn't hold him back and he called me and said man I really feel you know I gotta talk to you and I said no you really don't <laughs> it's yeah. your choice man um, you want to come back would I like to have you come back would I would love to have your talent yes I'd love to well I said some really horrible things okay great yeah. next and uh, every time that I see Jerry I am extremely happy to see Jerry got a lot of respect for him for what he's done in the business and for his talent so considering Jerry one of the greatest ever ever been in the commentary booth ever been in the ring and uh, believe it or that I, I was I, I was for Jerry coming back. Certainly a talent. Him and JR together were money on the mics, and uh, I'm glad it all worked out, and he was able uh, to to be brought back. So so there you Wait, go. Wait, your name's Mike? Sure. We'll go with Mike now. I think that's one of the ones we well, haven't I just, used yet. I thought you said, hey, I'm Mike. We go back to the observer here talking of Eddie Guerrero at this point. He was sent home because of the belief he was no in no condition to perform on Raw. The descriptions of his condition were really bad. He was scheduled to wrestle Matt Hardy. Jeff replaced him and a King of the Ring qualifier. You've talked about this in the past, but what do you remember of this day in Minneapolis? I uh, just really sad. And it was um, a situation that 
you know, you don't you don't see at work every day. So that made it even worse. It was it was just sad. It was sad to see Eddie in that shape. And he was in no condition to work and needed to not just go home. Eddie needed to go to school. Eddie needed some help. And Chris Benoit was one of the people that actually came and got us and, and went and got Eddie and, you know, wanted to slap some reality into Eddie and said, Ben, we, we got to get him some help. Mm. So it was not a good day. It was not a good day. How, how weird is it when you think about it, Bruce, that the show he's originally sent from home from is in Minneapolis. And then just five years uh, later, that's where, that's where he would pass. Yeah, not good. All right. Well, Jesse Ventura is featured here on an episode of Raw, overruling Vince McMahon and making a main event match of uh, Jericho versus Austin. I'm sure Jesse enjoyed this creative. What was Jesse like to work with at this time when he's still governor? Jesse, to me, Jesse was always fun to work with. I enjoyed working with with Jesse. I enjoyed um, just shooting the shit with Jesse. He extremely opinionated guy that I know that comes as a shock to you. Let me think. Okay. Did I call you Levi yet? Levi's been used. Levi. I'm sure that, I'm sure that yeah, we'll go back to that. It okay. Like yeah. yeah it worked. It worked the first Levi. time. It worked. Levi, the yeah. Okay. We're going to stick with Levi. Yeah. Okay. I'll be Levi. Right. Here we go. Calling Levi. Calling Levi. There you go. So anyway, John, um, we, <laughs> you know, we did this with Jesse and Jesse was just, you know, Jesse was fun. Jesse was, was a lot of fun to work with, man. Especially when things are going Jesse's way. Was this uh was this a last minute deal? I mean, obviously he's never promoted into, uh, into the role here. So was this just something to th- throw together since we're in, in Minnesota? Yeah. And one of those last minute deals that the governor is very busy. So <laughs> for the governor to be able to have a Monday night off, but he was in town. He was there. He came down to say hello. Hey, you want to do something? Great. There you go. And it all worked out. I'll tell you what, I, you know, Luke, I think that what you're looking for is you're looking for us to just say everything we're going to do for the next nine months. That would have made you happy in 2001, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, just not necessarily. was going to happen. And Dave Meltzer, we'd give the finishes away and just tell everybody what was going to happen. Just, to, yeah, just write the dirt sheets for us. Let us all know right up front. Yeah, there you go. No, not at all, Bruce. I don't want to know what's going to happen. That's I honestly, that's what I hate about social media now is everybody has an opinion about what's going to happen or they got the story and then it's leaked and then nothing surprises you as a fan. That's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. So I like to be surprised. Gabriel, that's how you and I are going to get along. Ah, all right. Let's talk about what people weren't enjoying. Well, some of the fans, and that was Spike Dudley and Molly Holly. They're flirting with each other all over the shows at this point. Were you a fan of this? Yes. Okay, tell me why. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, uh, there's relationships and everything. I I would hope, I would hope that you would be able to relate to relationships. (laughs) Boy meets girl, girl meets boy. Boy and girl fall in love and they, you know, maybe they have a wonderful life, have children or whatever. Boy meets boy, girl meets girl. Whatever it is you're into, it's okay. You can understand relationships. Hopefully, you know, there's some people, maybe a guy out in California that writes gossip and shit, doesn't have relationships or doesn't do well in relationships. can't understand why someone would flirt on a television show and tell relationship stories that really happen in real life. Maybe when you go based on your own experiences, but I think most people can relate to that because most people have a mother and a father. Right. That they were created out of a relationship. Mm. 
This is like, right. Yeah. You're doing the gesture here. I, I, yeah. It's all coming together for me. I got reminded last week. This is not a, we don't, we don't it's do not on that. video, but I like that we could draw pictures next. Nobody will see them. Oh, wow. I saw that. Okay. We're good to go. I got it covered. I understand the relationship first. Levi's good here. All right, Bruce, it's time to talk about something you and I both love talking about, and that's our pets. We've debated this for a long time, but I think it's clear now that Ginger is the official dog of something to wrestle that's been well-established. Yeah, well, Dodger is actually the official dog of something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. And did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? I did know that. I did know that because I know about solid gold. And hey, don't you interrupt my commercial here. I've been carrying the heavy water for solid gold. I know your dogs love the dog, the dog, uh, the human grade bone broth, right? Absolutely. It goes on everything and they love it. So serious business. This is real. Okay. We're deviating from the script, but solid gold will be happy because this is real life in real life in the Pritchard household, in your refrigerator. If Stephanie opens the door and twists that cap, the dogs go nuts. True or false? Yes. Every single one of them comes running with the little tails wagging and they just, you know, they'll even take a sip, but they get it on their food. And they absolutely love it. And if you don't get that little pop, they're not as happy. So let me just explain. We believe in solid gold because we know it's good for our dogs. And you've been hearing us talk about solid gold forever, but you need to know your dog is going to love it too. I mean, listen, when I was a kid, my mom tried to make me eat my vegetables. I didn't love that. Okay. Your dog is going to love solid gold. This is real life. And by the way, a proper diet and digestive health is going to enable your pet to better fight environmental allergies. So if your start, your dog starts to age a little bit and get a little wonky, it's probably because you haven't been feeding homeboy the right food. Solid gold to the rescue. Don't take our word for it. This is the world's first holistic pet food company started way back in 74 by Sissy McGill. She was inspired by the idea that European pet food and European Great Danes outlasted their American counterparts. So she created a recipe that's still in use to this day and is helping our pets and, and, and we're not just talking about physically. We're talking our pets, mind, body, and spirit. High quality food is the key to solid gold. And it's something that you've been using for years now, right, Bruce? Absolutely. And solid gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. As you said, it's just like us. We want high quality food. Why should you deny your dog? Solid Gold has revolutionized this holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy, whole grain, grain free, wet food, supplements like sea mail, and Dodger's favorite, 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are just different. They cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega 3 and 6 fatty acids supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out and solid gold is the place to do it so right now to save 30 percent on select solid gold products go to solidgoldpet.com slash russell that's solidgoldpet.com slash russell to save 30 percent on select solid gold products remember solidgoldpet.com slash russell we love solid gold. Dodger does too. Uh, okay. Right. So you were a fan of Spike Dudley and Molly Holly. Got it. Uh, Meltzer wasn't understood. The WWF is reportedly signing talent coming out of WCW and ECW. And you mentioned Booker T, Buff Bagwell, Rob Van Dam, and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, are these all welcome additions to your roster at this point, Bruce? 
Yes. Uh, you know, I, every one of them were welcome additions to the roster. And, you know, ECW's recently closed its doors as well. Yes. Um, you know, they, they had their run and the people in uh, South Philly were, were upset when they closed that door. Um, I'm just but, waiting for you know, it. Tommy, what? I was just waiting for you to say something about the hundreds of people that enjoyed that product. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. G19. <laughs> there it is. N42. Yeah. So, um, but it, it was, you know, Rob, Rob coming in was, was a welcome addition as was, well, dreamer. Um, <laughs> But, you know, look, Booker and, and Buff, uh, there, there were high expectations for them. Absolutely. Yeah. No, honestly, Booker T, a lot of a lot of steam behind him. And we'll talk about what he did with it as we get into the end of this uh, episode. Johnny Ace is officially hired around this time. What was Johnny's role, uh, Bruce, when he was first brought on? Oh, I could help. I like to do finishes in Japan. You know, Johnny was come. Johnny came on, and Johnny came on kind of as a, a producer at the time, or as we called him then, agent. But Johnny was a liaison that really helped a lot in the WCW transition. John was someone that had worked in Japan and booked Japan for many years. Johnny was a respected name and had been, you know, most recently working for WCW with the talent, helping them out with finishes. So, you know, having Johnny on board, it was another fresh guy with fresh ideas and a different way of looking at the business. As time, you know, started to roll on, um, Johnny was looked at as the, you know, heir apparent to JR's talent relations role. And I think that, um, you know, as, as years would go on, when I made the move back to Texas and JR was like, well, Sassafras, uh, I can go to Oklahoma. Um, yes. Our... You know, our, our situations were a lot different, but, uh, you know, I don't think Jr. was as keen living in Connecticut. It's a hellhole. I was hoping I'd get a sassafras to the show. It's just, yeah. It's all in fun, folks. It's, Jesus Christ. He, he would, knows what I'm talking about. He was doing a happy birthday to Conrad the other day, and he was like, and that word, that word you and your buddy made up about me. What's that word? I can't think of it right now but anyway actually no no see we didn't make that up okay that came from me that came from brian words that just every time that jr was something that brian just kind of felt that jr would say shasha fry we'll throw it in there so that was something that i took to the to the billions and um went on it's just just there you have it the, the, the beginning of Sassafras for those that may have forgotten. All right, let's move on. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit in a cage match here on Raw. And uh, as it go, as we're leading up to King of the Ring and man, what a freaking match here. Go out of your way to find it on Peacock. Austin's doing commentary and he helps Angle win. Why is Angle winning here when Benoit is scheduled to face Austin? Who helped him win? They they helped, Who helped him win. Who helped him? It's a simple fucking Austin. goddamn oh, oh. question. <laughs> Mike, answer the question. They Austin, they went out there. Austin, Austin he helps him. Yes, yes. Who's Benoit working with? Austin. Yeah. It's called storytelling 101. Gabriel, if you're not going to listen, then where the, how long has this been going on? Where are, where, where are we at? What's the damn counter on this thing? We're, we're about 45 minutes in, Bruce, and you're already done That's with Levi. That's I got time for, folks. Sorry. I'm... <laughs> 
Yeah, change tips on my shoelaces. Uh, has the creative all over the place because you're talking about launching WCW as much as keeping the product on current television the best it can be? I don't think creative was all over the place. You think creative was all over the place. Well, I'm just saying at this point, you know, you, you have to figure out what to do. You're talking about the invasion. This is all happening rather quickly. Uh, you, you have to have a little bit of a scramble to be figuring out what we're doing here. No. Well, okay. When you, when you consider, you know, the decision that was made at, at a very late date and everything acted upon that, yes, you know, you have plans and in the midst of your plans, you realize that, okay, Hey, we've got, this new thing going on over here. Well, maybe it's not as much as what some people were led to believe or, you know, the, the, the smart people out there that looked at it and thought, well, God, they have all of this talent they have access to. No, we didn't. So they were already fantasy booking in their, in their minds is mm. what we should have done. Not understanding the business side of what it was that we had actually done trying to create something in addition to that, having one of the pillars and main people in your story be pulled out right in the middle of it. Um, yeah, it's called live television. It's called dealing with, with real human beings. And it's not an animated series that well, we can just we can just draw them and they'll be all right. And some people like to look at, well, hey, bro, it's a work, you know. It doesn't hurt. You don't get hurt for real. Well, guess what, folks? It hurts. It hurts for real. Yeah. That's why we use athletes. They're athletes. Well, and too, like you said, everything happens so quickly. And that's why uh, listening to these shows and understanding kind of what was going on, hopefully as wrestling fans, we can see the bigger picture. It does seem easy when we're sitting at home in the recliners to just question everything. But you're right. There's a lot of other stuff and shit going on that we're not aware of as to why maybe it couldn't have worked out perfectly like and, we had hoped. And Gabriel, to be clear, uh, we greatly appreciate everyone sitting home in the recliner and watching and, and that's your prerogative to do that. It's just, I, I look at it and if you don't enjoy it, turn it off. If you're enjoying it, man, just sit back and enjoy it. If you want to overanalyze it, overanalyze it. Do whatever the hell you want to do. Have fun. Yeah. It just helps, though, to have all the facts. It definitely helps tell uh, people, fans, well, understand then, Okay, it. then ask me. Don't read it on a dirt sheet of someone that has never been there, that isn't there, that doesn't know what the hell is actually going on, that gets hearsay from disgruntled people, and or just says, well, I bet this is what happened. Right. Because of their years of extensive just research and experience in the business and actually investing their own money and being so successful. Understood. Got it. Levi's in. I'm in. I'm in on. The, I understand where you're going here, Bruce. Yeah, it was Levi. Okay. Everyone seems to be working hurt as Benoit's neck is giving him issues. Jericho's shoulder is giving him issues. Is this just everything bad that can happen happening at this point? I think sometimes you, you get into a, uh, I don't want to say a rut, but yeah, you, you get into a, a point where unfortunately you, you get snake bit and that injury bug goes around. <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah. But as I said, they're not, not animated characters. They're human beings. Retromania Wrestling is inspired by early 90s arcade wrestling action. 
The roster includes both wrestling legends and stars from the day, including Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, Tommy Dreamer, the reigning NWA World Champion, Nick Aldis, Matt Cardona, even the Blue World Order. There's a story mode, an arcade mode, singles matches, tag team matches, six-man tags, eight-man tags, and even the Retro Rumble. Retromania Wrestling is available now for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Steam, and II Arcade. There's even a Retromania-themed II Arcade cabinet. Check them out at RetromaniaWrestling.com and follow them on social media at RetroSoft Studios. That's RetromaniaWrestling.com. And be sure to follow them on social at RetroSoft Studios. I'm telling you, if you grew up on these old school arcade games like we all did, you know the games, this is exactly what you've been looking for. It's nostalgia, baby, which is what this podcast is all about. And so is Retromania Wrestling. Check it out. RetromaniaWrestling.com and social media at RetroSoft Studios. You'll be glad you did. Well, and to your point earlier, not only do you have these injuries, then you have the Triple H injury that, you know, ends up occurring as well. So it's just one after the other uh, at this point in time. Yeah, it is. And it adds up. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, the spike and Molly angle. And all of a sudden now it includes Steve Austin. It leads to Austin stunning Molly Holly, which gets a gigantic pop, by the way. Is this around the time everyone was saying maybe this Austin heel turn isn't working? Well, I think there were some of us that were saying this isn't going to work. It isn't working. Um, all the above from kind of day one. But, uh, you know, uh, we've been over that a gazillion times as, as well with, with with my friend Tom. What's his name? The other guy does the show. Oh, Conrad Thompson. I, you, you're confusing me because of the beard thing and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, right. It's, it's look kind of alike. Um, but uh, what? <laughs> That's you, and, that's you and Conrad. What, yeah. what shirt are you wearing? This says ad-free shows. Have you ever heard of it? Have you ever heard of ad-free shows? Serious question. <laughs> anyway. All right. So DDP reveals himself to be the stalker. You and Conrad, that guy we were just talking about, have covered this in the archives. But Bruce, is this the shits or what? I already told you what it was. See, okay. You're, you're reading the notes. You're not listening to me. Okay. I am Lincoln, listening, but Lincoln, I'm also going Lincoln. in chronological order as, as we're building this story. Shit, I already answered, Connie. Come on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, if I survive this, it's going to be a miracle. I said it was a shit. I said it was my idea. Shit all over my own idea. Uh, all right. Well, we're just trying to, to build this story up chronologically here, so let's keep it moving. Uh, the Dudleys would defeat Benoit and Jericho to win the tag team titles. Was it important to get the titles off of them due to their injuries, or is it just to make Benoit and Jericho Go lose again in this build. Yeah, I wanted them to lose again. Look like shit. So no one would buy anything. I wanted it to suck. I'll go back to my friend Jerry Lawler that uh, gave me this this analogy that that I always thought in my head, and he just you know put it into words where I just had never actually put it into words before. And he's talking about you know he's laying out television to somebody, and and they look at him and say, God, Jerry, do you really think this? You, you really think this is going to work? You, I mean, you really think this is going to get over? And Jerry just looks at him back and says, No, that's why I want to waste all this television time on it and all this investment because every single second of television time is worth a great deal of money. So we want to 
not just waste it because we think it is the shits and that it sucks. And it's not going to get over it all. But let's go ahead and go out here and give 10 minutes of really bad television. You want to rephrase your question, Leo? No, I think I'm good. I think I got it. I think we're ready. We're finally ready, Are Bruce, finally to jump into the King of the Ring 2001. Yes, we're. it's from East Rutherford, New Jersey. The show draws 16024 which is a sellout paying $1.1 million and gets 445,000 buys. It's only down slightly from the King of the Ring 2000, which, by the way, had 475,000 buys, which The Rock was teaming with Kane and Undertaker versus Triple H, Shane and Vince McMahon in a match where the WWF world title was on the line. So here we go. Yeah, I'm sure Dave Meltzer probably has a different figure that probably he got from Josiah, who bought a third row ticket and uh, counted the house. Well, actually, there were only 4,309 people there that I actually counted. And the, the game was actually only $219 because they gave all of those people made this kind of tickets. And it was by four to get three feet. Yeah. So now that we've solidified the number there, it's the show would start with DDP coming out. And yeah, I know we've covered his background, mainly to cheers. He claimed he had hot personal footage of Sarah for his private collection that he couldn't show on TV. He had a ticket for the front row and said he'd stay there until Undertaker showed up. As the show went on, they on the screen aired footage of Paige eating at a restaurant, getting out of his car. The idea was that because DDP didn't get the big heel reaction they expected, they were going to present the idea that DDP would complain about what's being done to him, which is what he was doing, thereby making him a crybaby. It came out, uh, Sarah was now stalking him, and as it turned out, people still weren't buying it. Bruce, was this really what DDP left his Time Warner contract and took 50 cents on the dollar for? I don't know what he took on the dollar for. Do you know that that's what he took? Did you see this? I, I did not see that's, his pay statement. saw this transaction I didn't take place? No direct deposit state. I saw none of it. Oh, okay. But that's what rumor and innuendo is. Well, Let's uh, here's, that one. here's a tip. Here's a tidbit we, we covered in the DDP thing is, is the excellent footage of DDP was actually shot by yours truly. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's right. I shot it. I took the camera. I ripped the camera from uh, Bubba Dean Blau's shoulder. Um, actually, it's Herbert Dean Blau's his real name, but we call him Bubba. Great handheld camera guy. All of our guys are uh, absolutely awesome, but Bubba's the one I worked with the most. And I told him that his footage wasn't shitty enough. Hmm. And I said, you want to see some shitty footage? I'll show you how to shoot shitty footage. And it was shitty enough. That's and, weird. And he did a great job with it there. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Knocked yeah. it out of the park. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Well, let's get into the card here. We have Kurt Angle. He pins Christian uh, in the King of the Rings semifinal match, 8 minutes, 17 seconds. They were pushing Angle's quest to win back-to-back -back King of the Rings with the idea that nobody had ever won back-to-backs and that not even stars like Bret Hart, Triple H, or Steve Austin were able to repeat. Angle got good heat here. He suplexed Christian all over the place. Shane comes out. Nice sequence where Angle missed a moonsault and Christian got a near fall. Angle went for the slam, but Christian countered, going for the unprettier but Angle countered with an ankle lock and Christian made the ropes. Christian countered the slam and hit the unprettier, but Shane broke up the pin, helping Angle. Angle then got the pin with the angle slam. The storyline was that Shane was helping Angle to advance to tire him out before his match. This got three stars in the Observer. Really a solid match. Angle is just... Well, that's a shame because I liked it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, with just under eight months on TV here, Bruce. Angle, only eight months on TV. Just a machine. This is a lot 
to put on someone this quickly in the business to carry a lot of the pay-per-view. We talked about it, three matches. Why could Kurt handle it? Because he was an Olympic gold medalist. He won the Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck, for God's sakes. That's why. He was a natural. He was a stud, man. He could do it. Yeah. Now, a great performance here, and the night would carry on for Kurt. Up next, though, we'd move into Edge, pinning Rhino, eight minutes, 52 seconds. Uh, this, is, again, is a semi-main uh, event for King of the Ring. Rhino undid the padding on a turnbuckle when Edge went sternum first into the exposed metal, selling it to make him the face, theoretically. Good spot where both guys went for the spear at the same time and collided. Finish saw Rhino miss the gore, and Edge put him away with the implant DDT, two and a half stars. Kind of funny to watch this match back now, knowing Edge has made the spear into this thing, while Rhino's gore has gone by the wayside. These two click in the ring, and they worked well together here. What do you think about it, Bruce? Well, it was a really good match between two really good friends who had worked together for years, and and it definitely showed at this point. And... You know, said earlier, man, Rhino was a hell of a talent. And I think that being able to work with someone like Edge, they were friends personally and had worked together many times, you know, coming up in the business. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a damn good match. I've told a good story. We all know that starting something new can be nerve wracking. Wouldn't you like to know beforehand whether it was going to work out or not? Well, Credit Karma can give you more confidence before you make a decision. Credit Karma's game-changing technology shows you tailored offers for credit cards and personal loans that you're more likely to be approved for, so you can apply with more confidence. They use your credit and other financial information to show you custom recommendations. Whether you want cash back, travel rewards, or to consolidate debt, Credit Karma can help you find the offers that fit your goals. With a selection of options and approval odds, you have the power to make informed decisions. Credit Karma, apply with confidence. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast to learn more and find tailored offers just for you. That's creditkarma.com slash podcast, or you can see your offers on the Credit Karma app. Apply with confidence today. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast or the Credit Karma app. You'd be glad you did. All right, we move on. Next up, it's Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. They kept the tag titles over Spike Dudley and Kane. This one won eight minutes, 32 seconds. The big screw up when Kane used a power slam on Bubba, and apparently Devon was supposed to break up the pin, but he didn't. The ref counted two. Bubba didn't kick out, and everyone booed when the ref just stopped counting. Kane threw Spike over the top, and he did a crossbody on both his brothers. Some near falls and saves. Dudley's did the what's up spot without saying what's up, since they're now heels. They really should just drop the spot. Anyway, finish was Bubba scoring the, the pin here on Spike after a 3D. After the match, Kane powerbombed Devon and then chokeslammed Bubba through the table. Two and a quarter stars here. The Dudleys doing babyface spots as heels doesn't really make sense. No one wanted to boo the Dudleys. And what a drop for Kane teaming with Spike here uh, compared to last month beating Triple H for the Intercontinental title. What were your thoughts on this one? I thought it was an interesting team. Let's talk about next up. It's Edge. It's the the finals here against Kurt Angle. It's 10 minutes, 21 seconds. He wins the whole deal. Uh, Again, thoughts on this one from the Observer was the buildup was lousy. Finals were put in the middle of the show like they were just Angle's prelim test for his real match. No real emphasis put on Edge winning the rest of the show. Angle took a dangerous flapjack early, nearly landing on his head. Angle suplexed Edge all over the place, including one over the top rope. Angle got a bust 
frosted lip, edge catapulted angle into the barricades for a near fall, ref bump and angle got in the ankle lock, edge tapped, but no ref to see it. Shane comes back again and he spears angle leading to edge scoring the pin after the impaler DDT. Our buddy gave it three stars, but uh, hard to argue with Dave here on this one. It makes sense why it's here considering the match Kurt is about to have with Shane, but it really didn't do much for edge to be crowned here. It just didn't feel, it felt a little flat. <laughs> just the audience, the fan, people in the crowd that didn't feel flat to you. It did. It felt like, uh, especially because King of the Ring was such a big deal, but yet it really just wasn't as far as the one of the main matches, one of the main focuses of the event wasn't really talked about much after he won it. Well, because it was over. He had already won it. Yeah, but it's King of the Ring, Bruce. This oh. is a big deal. It's the name of the pay-per-view. Well, we had other big matches. Well, I want to say, I want I want there to be emphasis. I want pomp and circumstance. I want it, it, it to be a huge deal. There was emphasis. I'm talking about that main just event style. It wasn't the place that you wanted it. Yeah. You ever have that problem where the emphasis isn't in the place that you wanted it, Ryan? I mean, I'm sure that's happened before at times in my life, Bruce. Okay, just checking. All right, so we can agree to uh, disagree on the emphasis of that one, but I, you know, it is what it is. There were some big time matches left in this card here, King of the Ring. This, I don't know, was, I don't know if it was one of them, but we'll talk about it. It's Jeff Hardy pinning X-Pac in 7-11 to keep the light heavyweight title. X-Pac used the X-Factor, but Hardy got his feet on the ropes. He went for it. The second time, but Hardy countered and scored the pin after a swanton. Two and a quarter stars on this one. It's just squeezing these two onto the card is kind of what it felt like. And where was uh, Waltman's head at this point? Spending my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait for Caleb to be done with the show. Oh. The non the non matchup next is Undertaker versus Page. People popped for the first punch and it was pretty much it. Page's Terry Funk comedy bumps in a serious heat program just seemed out of place. As far as the first physical confrontation between WWF and WCW, which this was, it couldn't have been planned out any worse. Page got very little offense in and just got bumped. Page's offense was just brief spots after low blows or chairs. They ended up brawling all over the U.S. announcer's table. In the ring, Taker hit Page with a high kick and Page ran off for five minutes and 40 seconds. Shouldn't the first confrontation end with all the WCW guys Swarming Undertaker and beating his ass, building heat rather than a finish, which made someone who needs to be a star right now with the lack of star power and multitude of non-stars under contract look bad, which is exactly the opposite of what needed to be done. At this point, I was sure it was WCW that had bought WWF and hired their writing staff. Half a star. Are are those fair criticisms? Again, no one can defend it as good here, but there's just nothing redeeming about this for anybody. When did you know this was already dead? Well, look, here's here's the bottom line is again, give me the history of the two major companies in the world, in the business and one absorbing the other and purchasing the other. And, you know, give, give me the, the counter to it. And again, on the other side of that coin, you are looking at an audience and you've got to look at it through the WWE audience eyes because the WWE audience for the most part, okay. They didn't know a lot of these WCW guys. 
Okay, whether you want to admit that or not, because you follow everything that that's a much smaller audience. So the WWE audience, these were also rands in in many many respects, and frankly, we you know we didn't get the big stars and and Paige, you know, coming in. I don't know that it was first of all the the storyline wasn't great, but you're coming in on top with the Undertaker, so it doesn't get any bigger than that. So one. One guy coming in on top, working a program with the Undertaker, it's it's not going to get any bigger than that. But instead, the the idea is why not have everybody jump the Undertaker? A bunch of guys that nobody knows does that doesn't make sense to me at all. And for the audience looking at DDP, and again when you, when you matched him up, it was like okay, well, who do you think is going to win that fight? Right. The guy you thought was going to win that fight is going to win that fight the first time. Now when. Page comes back and does something else to The Undertaker. It's not one and done here. This is to continue on to tell a story. And it's it just astonishes me, the, the, the feeling sometimes of, oh, my God, this just doesn't make any sense. To who? To who? To a guy that watches a bunch of Japanese wrestling and loves the moves and names the Japanese commentators as the best play-by-play and color guy because of the way they sound? Think about that. Think no, no, think about that. That's that's where this is coming from. Great. Yes, I take nothing away from the Japanese wrestling and their athleticism and their work and their spots they are able to do. Telling stories, I would argue that. Adfreeshows.com has more to offer than I can handle. I'm debating quitting my job to listen full time. Rebel every other Sunday? Yes, please. Yeah, these are real statements from brand new members at adfreeshows.com. They made the jump and now it's your turn. From Q&As with today's top stars to brand new bonus content and video conferencing with wrestling legends, adfreeshows.com is the missing piece to your wrestling fandom. It's access you gain to Hall of Fame talent that you won't find anywhere else, all while enjoying your favorite wrestling podcasts early and ad-free. Join today and begin a journey like none other. Don't miss out. Sign up today and find out what all the buzz is about over at adfreeshows.com. And I and I was I was listening to you talking more about from the WWE fan only perspective that they wouldn't know who those guys are. But I, I think at this point, uh, the large majority and, you know, the ratings told the story before WCW was bought out. You still had a lot of crossover fans that were aware of both companies and would have been familiar with some of those names. Yes, you still have your WWE fans only and contingent there. But I think for the most part, the large majority of fans would have recognized some of those guys that still happens to this day i mean think about it when aj styles made his debut majority yeah may remember him let's move on bruce good stuff angle he would pin shane mcmahon in an all-time classic match 26 minutes it's a street fight angle suplex shane all over the freaking place and did some tremendously smooth mat work shane would potato angle with his first punch busting him open over the right eye very stiff excellent but 
far too dangerous match, particularly when WWF can ill afford to lose another top guy, uh, which we've talked about a few times here. And then we put Angle in a position where the risks were pretty high. Shane killed Angle with a garbage can lid, then went up for a shooting star press, but ended up landing on landing on the garbage can. They brawled backstage. The big sequence started when he went to uh, the belly-to-belly Shane through a thick glass stage setup. Glass didn't break, Bruce, and Shane went down almost head first on the ground. That was dangerous enough, so they did it again. And both, as planned, went through the glass. The idea is they would do it again to come back to the other side. Angle twice uh, suplexed Shane, and twice the glass didn't break. Finally, he whipped him through it. This was total insanity and not in a good way. You had broken glass everywhere. The crowd was going crazy. And you had Angle, who's being counted on uh, so highly in the plans being put in a situation where he could have been seriously injured because you just can't predict how broken glass will break as it was he was just scraped up a little bit his back was all bloody and there was broken glass all over the floor and they were reduced to putting the best worker the company had for the summer himself way in a bunch of risk that might not have necessarily been necessary uh they're doing spots like combat zone wrestling in new jersey no less uh, Angle wheeled a prone Shane back to the ring and put him in the ring to pin him, but Shane kicked out. McMahon came back with a low blow and three hard garbage can lid shots, then did the Angle slam on Angle for a near fall. Angle catapulted Shane into the corner. Shane was supposed to hit the post, but it looked bad. Angle got a board and hit Shane with it, and the finish saw him use the board as a platform and used it to stand up while on top of the rope, delivering the Angle slam. Shane got a huge ovation after the match from the crowd. This This one got four stars, and it's just an amazingly brutal match. Uh, New Jersey, by the way. How many would have gotten if it was in Japan? (laughs) That would have been at least a six or seven. I mean, that's um, I can't believe it just got four stars. One of the most insane, intense matches we've ever seen in wrestling. You think is you think a King of the Ring 2001, and everybody that's what everybody talks about. Uh, So there you go. New Jersey had recently passed a law outlawing extreme wrestling, and then you guys, uh, you know, have this match. You've talked about it in the archives before. How Vince was ready to fire you during this match what's going on backstage how worried were you about these two and was it all worth it well Vince wasn't ready to fire me he was just ready to strangle me um only because I was the the only communication to to the referee at that point and I was trying to get them to move on and they weren't listening and they weren't doing it 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 wasn't you know that definitely wasn't my fault it was it was a situation where you have two guys that are great performers and feel that their performance must involve a lot of risks you know as, as far as putting angle out there in, in this kind of match and oh my god the risk every single time that a performer goes to the ring and is involved in any kind of match they are at risk that is inherent in this business so um there are calculated risks and this was a calculated risk some things didn't go right and that's unfortunate and and again, the naivete of someone that that's never never done it and or uh, actually had their their own investment on the line, uh, you, you know, those criticisms. I don't take. It was a crazy match. I thought it was way too much. Uh, I don't think I could ever watch that match and enjoy it. I think I could. I, I, I don't think I've ever watched it since. Frankly, um, can't watch it. It was it was too much and it was emotional from that vantage point as well. Um, so you tie all that into it and um, 
yeah, it's what's talked about and all that shit. It's kind of like the the hell in a cell with Mick Foley. That's right. Um, you saw it and it was holy shit, but you never want to see it again. So I saw it. Um, not interested in ever seeing it again because I, I love Kurt and I love Shane and and don't want to have a stupid silly accident. Um, make it so that they're they're unable to hug their kids. Yeah, I mean to every and every time you think about that match, or I think about it, or fans talk about it too. You think about that that glass panel that just would not break, and finally Shane being so committed to it, do it again, whatever it takes. Uh, we're gonna make this work. Just very intense. Yeah, and, and sometimes that's a judgment call, and and that's I'm not sure that the best judgment was used in that regard. All right. Well, Bruce, we finally made it. It's the main event match. It's Steve Austin retaining the WWF title in a three-way over Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. This one went 27 uh, minutes, 52 seconds. Again, very hard work from all three performers. They did several spots where one person would be injured to make it one-on-one for several minutes, and then just as somebody was beaten, the third guy would revive the make a save. Jericho got Austin in the walls, but Benoit saved. Benoit then suplexed Jericho over the top to the floor. Earl Hebner got bumped, and Benoit hit Austin with a stunner, but again, no ref. Benoit hit Austin with the title belt, but Jericho recovered for the save. Jericho posted Benoit here. This left Austin versus Jericho, and they struggled for Boston Crabs. Benoit sold being injured, leading to Austin versus Jericho. Benoit ended up recovering and went to hit Austin with a chair, but he ducked, and Jericho got hit. Isn't that screw-up spot a heel spot? Guess not. That depends on how you look at it. Who's the heel? There you go. Austin gave Benoit a stunner to injure him again. Austin gave Jericho two superplexes off the top rope. Benoit recovered and then gave Austin five German suplexes before Austin delivered a low blow. Jericho put the walls on Austin in the middle of the ring. Instead of Benoit saving, he put the cross face on and Austin tapped. Being that a precedent had been set when Undertaker and Kane both beat Austin in a similar three-way on pay-per-view a few years ago, this was stunning, but not so fast. Even though that was an acceptable finish on pay-per-view a few years ago and on TV as recently as Monday, it was an illegal double team so Hebner ordered the match to continue. Then we see the big run in here. Booker T shows up out of the crowd, throws Austin through a table. Booker got excited and threw him too far and Austin tried to protect himself since part of his body overshot the table and in doing so injured his hand. Jericho got the walls on Benoit but a rope break. Jericho slipped on the ropes and screwed up a lion salt spot on Benoit. Jericho and Benoit then screwed up a second spot due to miscommunication. Jericho attacked Austin with wood and Austin sold like he was knocked out. Jericho gave Austin a moonsault, but Benoit saved. Benoit did the diving headbutt on Austin, but Jericho pulled Hebner out. Benoit then gave Jericho a backward superplex. All three guys laid on the mat and uh, in dramatic face fashion with all the odds against them, two wrestlers, all of WCW and even Vince McMahon deserting him, draped his arm over Benoit for the pin. With Benoit being injured and out of action all summer, the only logical finish was for him to be the one pinned. The rating on this one, three and three quarter stars. A lot going on with this one, Bruce. Booker T debuts and hurts Steve. Benoit goes through the match with an injury, but disappears right after. Jericho doesn't win, and right after this is where we are right into the WCW launch. What did you think of this match, and do you think it made sense? Yeah, it made a shitload of sense. Um, You know, Booker coming out was a great debut for Booker. Unfortunately, Steve got hurt in that whole exchange. Um, Again, accidental, and a lot was made of of nothing in that, and that's where, you know, people, the rumor and innuendo and, and bullshit 
starts. Um, but as far as Steve going over, I think that by this point, here you are, you don't have Triple H, and you're looking at, all right, is this thing going to work? And realizing when you're counting sides, well, we're going to need some help on the other side. Somebody's got to jump ship. Somebody's got to do something. You, you've got to give them something they're used to on the other side for it to even have any hope of succeeding. So really and truly, it was the only finish. It was the only thing you could do. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was an excellent match. Those three, I mean, brought it. And um, that's kind of where, where we ended up. Yeah. Get your something to wrestle gear at BrucePritchard.com and check out BoxOfGimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store, where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. No, again, a big time show here. Again, that's going to always be remembered for that uh, that match between Kurt Angle and Shane. What was your overall opinion of this uh, this card, Bruce? Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. Where, where do you land I on? I thought this it was one? great. I thought it was a hell of a show. A little brutal for my taste in the middle with Shane O'Mac. Um, but I thought overall, I thought it was very good, especially when you kind of reflect back on where we were, where we wanted to be, and the cards we were dealt. It was a tough pill to swallow. Well, and you get Edge, right? He wins King of the Ring. And, you know, some of that stuff types goes on to propel him and what he's going to do in his career. So you talk about building future stars. That's certainly something that someone wants to have, you know, is nice to have, I guess, in their background as they move forward in their career. Angle proves after seven months, he's a stud. Uh, three big time matches all on this card. And then just the story that we all talk about, and that's the broken hand with Austin and Booker T's first debut and kind of what that lent him to in, in the back with the folks. So lots of interesting matches, stories, and I guess it's the way that you look at that card. It, 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 to me, it was a very enjoyable uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you agree, Cooper. All right, there we go. Well, let's get to some fan questions before we wrap this one up, Bruce. Uh, Ryan Austin writes in and says, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce said Vince was so hot he was ready to fire Bruce over the Shane and Kurt match by the time, by this time. How many times was Bruce almost fired at this point? Okay, it's funny you bring that. First of all, he wasn't uh, almost going to fire me. He just wanted to kill me. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the funny thing is, is that you know there were often times where I'd only been fired one time at the time at, 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 uh, at this time and Vince would, would always get confused sometimes oh god damn how many times have you been fired because he was actually referring because Jim Ross had been hired and fired and refired and hired and refired like four or five times however I really don't know what the count is some people said Jim Ross fired four times it was whatever it was the contract wasn't renewed he was brought back he was fired he was brought back he was fired I don't know what the hell happened but I, I used to say um, when it was, I say no, 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 no. I'm, I'm the only, I'm, I'm the other guy. I've only been fired one time, Vince. And then I would say, I said it doesn't count the number of times that you wanted to fire me. So then that would have been into double digits and shit like that. But yeah. 
All right. Well, Steve Foley would write in and he has another question. We, I feel like we've uh, talked about this a little bit already here, but were there any ideas, other ideas to bring DDP in besides this storyline? Let's start there. Was there anything else creative wise that you had for him or was this just let's this is what we like and this is what we're going with? Well, I, I'm sure there were. I don't think that anything was as big. I know DDP always talks about how he wanted to be the people's champion against whatever the hell yes. with rock. And, and that wasn't going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, coming in on top with takers, it's, it's kind of like, how do you get any higher than that? And so, um, that, that is what it is. Okay. And, uh, he also wants to know what was the deal between taker and DDP? Was there real heat between these two? No. Okay. Not that I know of. All right. And I I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know, man. But I I think it'd be kind of hard to find anybody that's got heat with DDP. And I'm sure there's somebody. Um, but you know, shit, Dallas is a, just a real super positive, good guy. His final comment here from Steve Foley said his WWE run was basically get a fucking make comments and questions. You have one question. Okay. <laughs> Carson, Carson, one question. <laughs> That's all they get. One That's question. Get. Steve, we're shit. sorry. Thanks for checking in this week. Yeah. We're moving on we're to <laughs> We're moving on to just because it was a final statement. We're good. Just Chris asks, why does Shane McMahon get so much hate for not being a wrestler? When he endured this punishment, he paid all his dues in this match with Angle. Well, Shane also paid all of his dues by working his ass off for I don't know how long before, during, and after to hone his skills every single night in the warehouse with my brother training him and beating the shit out of him and coming back for more every single day sometimes two and three times a day. So to those that say, oh, Shane's not a wrestler, Shane busted his ass to train and to get in there and to actually do what he did and perform at a level that not many people could perform at. So to those people that say, oh, well, if you don't wrestle 10 or 15 years and you haven't paid your dues, I say bullshit. Yeah, I don't get the Shane hate either. I mean, every time the guy does perform, it's next level. I mean, he goes way out of his way and does things no one in his position should ever have to do for a wrestling match. So I'm, I'm full agreement there. Luke from Eastern Iowa. He checks in and said was with Benoit's neck injury following the match, leaving him out for a year. Do you remember any plans for Benoit in the invasion? Could have been a really strong addition to either side, according to Luke. So was there any plans for that? Uh, there weren't because of the injury. So it's kind of hard when you know that they're going away to make plans for him. And, and it was an unknown with Chris. Okay. Makes sense. We have two more fan questions left here. Bruce uh, first ask Bruce why humanize the undertaker having his wife there and being referred to as Mark really killed it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just guess I, I, why is Lindsay listening to the show? If it killed it for him. Uh, I don't know. Lindsay, we're I'm sorry. sorry Lindsay. It for you. I, I'm yeah. sorry. We killed it for you. I'm, well, Lindsay, there you go. He apologized live on air. I don't know what else you could ask more from, from Bruce Pritchard for that whole deal. I don't mean it. But yeah. Adams, our final question, Bruce. Where did you guys get the glass that didn't break? Glass don't break fucking shit and I are us. That's where. And there you have it. Exactly what we expected. Glass didn't break are us. And shit. And shit. Okay. 
Bruce, we made it through. I made it through, I think. Probably my last show I ever record for Conrad Thompson. But thank you for giving me 25 names today. This has been an absolute honor for me to be able to sit in this chair and, and talk with you for the last hour and a half uh, and, and doing uh, King of the Ring 2001. And Jose, it's uh, an hour and a half of my life I'll never get back. And that's, you ever heard the story about Pancho Villa? Oh, I've, I've heard the story. I've seen the cartoon that was done based off that story. Okay. Yeah. True story. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, guys, next week, Conrad Thompson will be back where he belongs with his tag team partner, Bruce Pritchard, for another fantastic episode of Something to Wrestle. We certainly hope you enjoyed this week's edition. Lots of good ground that we covered in terms of King of the Ring 2001 classic wrestling matches. Bruce, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Pablo, thank you. All right. It was what it was. Yeah, well. Okay. Well, hey, with that, that's going to wrap us up this week. <laughs> Go ahead. You have something else to say. No, I, see I, it. I, I, I ain't got shit. Go ahead. <laughs> you got nothing. He's done. We're going to wrap us up. That's it for Something to Wrestle. We'll be back next week, regular time. Conrad and Bruce, thank you so much for joining us this week. Rock on. Really, Ken, that was drizzling shits. I mean, I don't know that we can ever fucking air any of this. Okay, if you've listened to this show for very long by now, you know what you're thinking. I hate Steven Singer, too. And you're darn right you do, because we've told you loudly and proudly that he is one of our favorite people to do business with, and he's going to be yours, too. But unfortunately, he eliminates all of the excuses. Here's what I mean. Finding that person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great. But man, do we hate all the pressure of what's next? Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure from actually shopping for a ring, hassle, haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, and all the other nonsense. It's overwhelming, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. That's why this guy's really hate Steven Singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler and icon that's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. No call center, no sales, no haggling, no codes or discounts, just the best possible price guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check Steven out at the other corner of eighth and Walnut and Philly or online at I hate always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate all right, real quick, before we get out of here, I got to say it one last time. I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to savewithconrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. Just ask Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and it said this. Big thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with First Family Mortgage. Jimmy was there anytime I had any questions. He was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home couldn't have been any easier. Miguel's saving a whole bunch of cash, and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy. 
at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever with a little summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Woo! Hey everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.